Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I bet a lot of the games listeners are starting to feel a little bear market fatigue. And I'm with you. It's always fun to be in a bull market where almost everything moves higher, including the speculative stuff. But let's not jump the gun too early here, and let's look beyond our emotions. Seems like the markets are disconnected from economic reality right now, and there may be further downside to come. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Games. Let's bring on Matt Matigan, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers here in Chicago. And be sure to check out Matt's blog, blueworldam.com. Matt, always great to have you on the Gaines podcast. Always glad to be invited. A lot of talk of recession. You've had the Fed in play in a big way. I know we often talk about the Blue World economic uh, indicator that you often go to. So let's just start right there. How do you see things as we start the new year, economy and market-wise? Well, the economy is, its frankly, it's exceptionally weak. Uh, all of the warning signs are there and being led south uh, really by real estate readings and manufacturing. As, as a matter of fact, just today, the Empire State Manufacturing Survey came out and it took a double-digit drop into negative, and that was led by drops in new orders and shipments. And that's been pretty, uh, pretty indicative of all of the other economic data coming out. There's a lot of emphasis on this kind of wafting down of inflation, and as much ballyhoo as they want to uh, make about the fact that it's coming down a little bit, it is still extraordinarily high. So relative to markets, right now this is I, – I think there's we're in a real danger zone here because the S&Ps are getting back up there into that 400 area and kind of ignoring everything else about the economy except inflation kind of coming down a little bit. But the United States Gasoline Fund, uh, which tracks the, the price of gasoline, gasoline contracts, uh, that is getting back to near a three-month high at a time of year when we just don't see gasoline moving north. So I, I'm getting that I'm I'm getting that uncomfortable sense that market sentiment is becoming untethered 
uh, from economic reality. And I think with this earnings season, if earnings come in and start disappointing uh, as we head into this phase, I I think there could be uh, uh, I think there could be some serious volatility uh, here coming up in the next couple of months. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. Yes, the Dow theory is still bearish. I've also seen the disconnect. I think investors are misreading the Fed and their follow through. And I think I'm there with you, too. I think that they're glossing over a lot of the economic weakness. It's almost like they're tired of markets being down now. They've been hit so hard, so you know, they're they're just bound to turn around. And, and that's not really a good way of making informed decisions. Well, well, it's not. And we've discussed this before, that in order in order for markets to truly turn around in in a sustainable, predictable, reliable way, something has to have changed and nothing's changed. Uh, with, with all of the all of the emphasis uh, being put on the Fed and what what the uh, Fed presidents are saying and and what their moves have been and what they think their moves are going to be, we are being asked to believe, that we have a robust, roaring economy that is going so gangbusters that we need to raise interest rates to slow it down. And at the same time, those same interest rates could throw us into a recession. Now, how do you reconcile those things? I, you know, sometimes you really feel like they're insulting your intelligence. This is one of those times. I'm glad to think think that they are insulting our intelligence because we can navigate around around that very factor. And that's what I like best about all of this is we all get a vote in the game when we when we bring capital to the table, so to speak. And then there's the other factor, too, which has not been addressed at all. That's the energy issue. And, you know, you kind of alluded to to gas prices and that factor and nothing has been done on that front either. Uh, no, and that—that's frankly what started this whole thing is the the overnight clamp that was put on the supply of energy. That—that uh, that was the fuse that lit the uh, you know the, that lit the keg, right? Uh, as energy goes, so goes everything else. And uh, to your point, I, nothing productive has been done in an effort to reinvigorate supply. Now, uh, th there is some more activity going on in fracking in, uh, in isolated places, but it's not enough to change the, uh, the supply and demand dynamic. And again, to see, to see gasoline prices on the trajectory that they are on right now at this time of year, it's really, really unusual, and it's really, really uncomfortable. All of this thought about, you know, okay, inflation is walking down, going the right way and all that, it, it could come roaring back in a second. And I think it's not only possible, I think it's more likely than not, again, just because there has been no adjustment in policy to address any of this. 
And raising interest rates into a weakening economy, it, it, it's just, it doesn't make sense. And that energy, um, you know, drips throughout the economy because as you see higher energy gas prices, that goes into your food. It goes in everything that's delivered to the stores. It goes in everything that's delivered to your house. So you can't es- escape it. And, uh, you know, just from my standpoint, I, I, that's the biggest issue that's plaguing us right now is this push to green right away and not being ready and then demonizing energy. And I know I've gone on and on about that, but uh, I think that's a huge factor. And that's not even with China and some other economies getting even somewhat back to normal. Yeah, as long as we are, we're literally putting our foot on our own throats. Uh, And it's the double whammy. No change in energy policy while raising interest rates against inflationary pressures that were caused by the energy policy. I I mean, it's... (laughs) It's a really, really, it's a really frustrating time. It's a really scary time uh, because, again, the lid can blow off of this again at any moment. And, you know, the only thing they point to uh, as evidence that we are in this big, roaring, robust economy is the job market, right? I mean, that, that's what we keep being told. Hey, right. you don't get this kind of job growth in a recession. Well, it's really, really important to understand uh, what we have been seeing is not job growth. All we've been seeing is job replacement and restoration after COVID. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like true job growth that has been spun in a really you know weird way as well. <laughs> it's oh, another I, one. Or, or do you think we're stupid? Kind of uh, scenarios. Well, exactly. I mean, it it, uh, it it could not be. It could not be more dishonest. It could not be more dishonest because they know exactly what what we're saying right now. And I, I just did a uh, in in the course of uh, working on the on the Blue World Economic Index. Of course, a major indicator uh, is is uh, the labor market analysis. And the striking thing is there, you you get the headlines coming out about, okay, you know, first Friday of every month, they publish the job numbers and they give you a headline number. And then they give you a headline unemployment rate. And that's really all the vast majority of us see or, or are aware of. But that report is actually hundreds and hundreds of lines of data all of which has to be looked at and taken together in order to get a true picture of what's going on. And there is a measurement of those, uh, what's called not in the labor force. So if you have not been looking for work, actively looking for work for the past four weeks, you are not counted as unemployed. Therefore, you don't show up in the unemployment rate. Because they they just don't include you in, in, in that calculation. In order to get an understanding of that, you have to go look at that not in labor force number, which of course spiked after um, uh, after COVID. And as that not in labor force number has started to come back down, 
it only came back about halfway to where it was before COVID and has been moving essentially laterally ever since. This is why everywhere you go, you have signs in the windows begging for people to come to work, for, for people to fill the help wanted uh, signs and, and why your restaurants are understaffed and, and you can't get things done the way you usually could. These people have not come back to work. How do these people get away without working? Is there so many programs that are being put in place? Um, you know, it's certainly not the stimulus checks from the pandemic and benefits run out. So when they say that, though, that my big question is, how are these people all living without jobs? There is still a whole lot of money being thrown around out there. I mean, we, I, the administration, I guess, just extended, again, the COVID emergency status so they could continue funding. Yeah, that, 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 a that's a head scratcher as well. I, I got to say that, um, you know, we pretty much cleared the whole COVID thing for the most part as a society last spring. And I think for the overwhelming people, there's no looking back. And to, I, I, I saw that. That's just... To just keep the spending up, uh, that move. I mean, you, you can't say it's about the real emergency of uh, COVID. We we've gone through that a couple of years and, and and have figured out how to deal with it and move on. Yeah, that was a head scratcher as well. But that kind of plays in all of this of what we're talking about, huh, Matt? Well, exactly. <laughs> Policy matters, and these are bad policies. They just are, uh, and you you can look at it from the uh, subjective and anecdotal point of view. You can look at it from the objective data analysis point of view, which the Blue World Economic Index does. And when you when you triangulate those two things, the things that we're talking about anecdotally combined with things we're talking about objectively, and you come out with the exact same picture from both analyses, you know, everybody can't be wrong. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Matt. We'll talk about how to play this all. But, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And, as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gaines episode drops. We drop Gaines episodes on Wednesday morning. We'll be right back after the break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, back with Matt Matigan, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers here in Chicago. And be sure to check out Matt's blog at blueworldam.com. So as we were heading into break, wanted to talk about how do you play all of this? Definitely a time to have the defense on the field. And so what do I mean by that? You know, that's an easy cliche, right? Uh, so what do I what do I mean by that? Well, we can talk a lot about, you know, futures and options and, and some of those, uh, uh, some of those, those more, uh, well, less used tools. Those aren't really practical for just everybody, especially if you have an investment advisor with a major firm who's, you know, doing most of this stuff for you. In that case, uh, number one is communicate. Make sure you're in touch with your your advisor and make sure that you are aware, at least monthly, aware of where your money is being deployed. Now, every single market environment creates opportunity, right? That's a concept that you and I have discussed over and over. And they're just, it's a lot easier to find those opportunities in a bull market. Gets a little bit more challenging in in a market like this. Don't you know it? You know, I mean, you're just playing off of, and that's a great point. You know, it's really easy to be successful in a bull market, as they say. I know it's cliche, rising tides lift all boats. But, you know, what we've been talking about is a whole different animal. Uh, Right. And so this is where I say be in touch with your portfolio, be in touch with your advisor. And my favorite defensive strategies at times like this are the ETFs and the ETFs that are focused on that more narrow uh, more narrow avenue of opportunity in a down market. Uh, for example, something like healthcare. Healthcare is largely bulletproof uh, when it comes to uh, markets being up and down. Healthcare spending, it, you know, it rises, it'll always rise, and it's not something we can do without. There are certainly those industries that benefit from periods of high inflation, for example. If banks are charging more for the money they lend, chances are their earnings are going to rise. Uh, If the price of fuel is high, energy is a great place to be. And there are really, really great ETFs out there that 
can focus on those few industries that benefit from markets that are behaving like this one. To me, that's the first place to go is to use the ETFs as a foundation for the portfolio. And then you can pick and choose from there the overachievers. When you say overachievers, for, for the game, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the overachievers within. So uh, let's say, for example, you pick a, um, an ETF that focuses on healthcare. Uh, so that ETF uh, probably covers 200 to 300 different companies oh, I see. within that industry. Buying best in space then after you get the ETF exposure. Precisely. I see. I see. Okay. And then, as you know, you mentioned, healthcare, energy is in that mix as well. Uh, healthcare, energy, uh, banking, uh, financial. Uh, you know the the financial industry. If money costs more, then money costs more. Uh, and I, there are some really really great ETFs out there uh, in financials, banking, healthcare energy. Uh, and one that I touted, and I even mentioned it a little while ago, uh, there's one in, it, one of my favorites right now is the UGA. Uh, it's the United States Gasoline uh, Fund LP that it it is an ETF focused on nothing but the value of the futures contracts of gasoline. Not crude oil, <laughs> you know, not refining I mean, strictly gasoline. Uh, and, and that one, again, uh, a very, very defensive uh, and effective play in a portfolio at a time when, when energy prices are elevated. Now, are you doing anything in metals? Are you doing anything? Uh, you've, you've talked ag, you know, agriculture. Uh, we've also talked farmland in the past. I know you've delve into, you really diversify your portfolio. What what other areas, uh, especially in the ag space, we've talked about that before. Yeah, the, uh, I think we've talked about the Tucrium products. Uh, yes, they give you exposure to, to ag products. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's exactly that. It's exposure, it, it's exposure to price movement in commodities without taking the risk of actually trading the futures. Uh, I, again, one of the things I so love about the ETFs, uh, but these ETFs, you can buy them uh, on, that focus on corn, wheat, soybeans, uh, and you can even buy, um, they even have some products that are ETF on a conglomeration of a, a basket of agricultural products. So you can get as specific as down to just corn, or you can have an ETF that is based on the contracts for uh, a handful of different grains and commodities. Metals, absolutely, all over the metals. And I think you and I have talked about this too. I cannot explain to you why gold is not $4,000. Oh, I'm, I'm there with you. In fact, it's amazing how I was convinced that the conditions that we've just seen over the last year with rising inflation, higher energy prices, a war, all of that usually is a big, big pusher. That should put gold at four or five thousand. We're finally starting to see metals catch up a little bit. 
And again, I, I, I just think when I talk or look at commodities that are just really, really undervalued, in my opinion, it's silver and gold. I, we're starting to see starting to see them pop a little bit. Copper's come back in a real big way. Last look, it was over $4 a pound. But uh, yeah, metals, I, why do you think metals didn't rally into the inflation play very much? I thought maybe one other factor would be some of the crypto money was was tied up as well. Uh, your your thoughts on that? Well, the, I think the last time you and I talked about this, it, we were speculating on just that. I how many times that phrase come out of my mouth? I can't explain to you why gold is not four thousand dollars an ounce, and we always chuckle about it. Uh, the last time we talked about this, I we kind of speculated. Well, maybe people are putting money into the crypto as an inflationary hedge instead of the metals. But there just wasn't really enough money to account for it. And now with the movement of crypto in the last year, that theory certainly went right out the window. Uh, So I really, really have no good explanation for why the metals have, have been so slow to catch up because gold and silver they usually lead the charge when inflation starts to pop up. And what I've found historically is when I come across that dynamic where I'm scratching my head and going, why isn't this higher? And then, you know, I wait a couple months and I'm like, why isn't this higher? This makes no sense. Usually I have found that is actually when you should be gobbling that stuff up as much as possible. Um, It looks like that may be the play. I am really real being a former Gold and silver trader, I am so bullish on precious metals right now. I could not agree more. I am uh, I am buying gold and silver, copper, uh, metals-based ETFs with both hands. And I'm picking I'm up. I'm just sure eventually it's going to reward me. Yes, I'm there with you. I'm buying it in ETFs. I've actually, when the opportunity's right and I get the right, you know, deal, on the physical, I even am, am dabbling in that, you know, picking up some 100-ounce Englehard uh, silver bars, uh, buying a gold eagle, one-ounce gold eagle or Krugerrand uh, when the price is right and I'm not paying a big, huge premium. When opportunities rise to even pick up some of the physical, not not a bad idea to have a little stash in your you know, safety deposit box is just another layer as well. But then, like I said, backing up the truck – uh, on the uh, you know GLD ETF, um, there are a couple areas that I continue to uh, to buy, even though it's considered growth and they've been roughed up. Um, uh, you know, Bitcoin, super bullish on Bitcoin. If you go back, I don't know five or six podcasts, I give you the case for million dollar Bitcoin. Uh, it was Bitcoin at the time was about sixteen eight. I think last look we were around twenty one thousand. That was about a month ago. So that trade is uh, just getting started. And like I said, when we start approaching those levels, that uh, those Bitcoin levels, those sixty thousand dollar levels, and people see that they've missed out, then you'll have the FOMO. And I'm again convinced that million dollar Bitcoin is a lot closer than most people can imagine. The other growth area that I'm buying, because I'm super bullish on the technology, 
and and the virtual reality aspect of it is meta uh, aka facebook that's come down so i am still dabbling dollar cost averaging in bitcoin and ethereum have continued to do that believe in in crypto long term uh and i've been snapping up meta and and some other names that i've been eyeing on the dips uh dollar cost looking you know looking three four five years out even now i feels like a good deal are you doing any of that with anything matt uh yeah i am and i i'm really glad you brought up the uh the crypto uh because i i've been having this conversation a lot people are uh, you, you get asked this question all day, every day, right? Hey, should I be buying Bitcoin? Um, my, let me run this by you and get your reaction to it. To me, uh, in order for the cryptos uh, to recover, regain the levels they once had and then go beyond, they need to establish themselves as legitimate currency and legal tender on a much broader base than what they have right now. What they are now is primarily a trading venue. Uh, try to buy low, sell high, and, and you know the movement based on sentiment in order for this to really take off, it, it seems to me like it's got to become legal tender. And with the FTX uh, crash and some of the bad press, which is when I started backing on, up the truck, when that I like that FTX thing was the greatest thing for people who I mean, obviously, if you had an account there, that's a different story. That's when I when, when they when they those headlines started coming out and it was the pile on. That's when I, on this very podcast I told everybody and their brother to buy Bitcoin at you know just under seventeen thousand. Um, I believe in it long term, but oh those I, the, those I heard you and I listened. Yeah, oh good, good. <laughs> and and you know I agree with you. It's an adoption game, but having been in crypto for literally like 10 years and i'm talking back to in 2013 when i watched it go from a couple hundred dollars to a thousand and then when i sold you know a couple of my bitcoin at the time for a thousand that i bought for like 300 thinking i was brilliant that was the first wave then there was that wave in 2017 where we we saw it just go from like a thousand to like eighteen thousand, and then by a year after that, it was left for dead at 3000 And then we watched it from, you know, late 2018 to 2020 being, you know, that 3 to 7, 10 range, and then seeing it take off from there. And each one of these waves, and I've said this before, each one of these waves, I've seen way more adoption. Um, the first wave, you know, when it moved from like zero to a, a thousand twelve hundred back in in 2013 uh it was initially talked about cnbc more adoption it's laid flat for i uh, like four four or five years started getting a little more adoption that now i'm talking you know 2017 end of 20 the end of 2017 we saw it take off again 
At that time, all of a sudden, you see Bitcoin on the the page, the markets page for CNBC. It's on the ticker. Each time more adoption. Then everybody said, oh, it peaked, and they turned away. And, and Bitcoin went back down to like three, $4,000. Um, and then we saw this last one, way more adoption this last go-around, um, you know, 2020, 2021, where we're seeing Bitcoin in the forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 range. Now you can invest in it in, in accounts, and, and there's more adoption. And, and that's the thing that I've seen is these waves, more adoption, the general public turns away, the insiders buy, we ride it up for another wave, it's at the top, people get FOMO, it dumps off, people lose interest with it, and each time it's more adoption. I think the legal tender thing is probably on its way, Bitcoin considered crypto gold, you can use that is a base of a, a a system, you know, they have a system called Lightning, so you can use Bitcoin for even small transactions. So th- that I'm there with you, more adoption. We see it each time. This FTX thing was a great opportunity because everybody pulled away. You know, it kind of shook out the market. I'm not saying that we could get clipped and go down to 10,000 Bitcoin, but long term, I love it. And it seems like we're in the right direction. And there's a whole heck of a lot more people who know about Bitcoin and crypto at large now than versus a couple of years ago. And then if you look at before that, I mean, adoption each time. So I'm there with you. I don't know if it necessarily has to be legal tender. It could be the base where, you know, they're using another system. And and just like, you know, central banks used to, you just settle up. You know, they did it with the with gold, you know, settle up the big transactions and they could do that with Bitcoin as well. So but yeah, I I, I that's why I'm super bullish on it. But yes, there will be there will need to be more day to day usage. But the adoption yeah, and is there. I don't I my I, you know, my my thinking uh, on the subject of, of it needing to become, uh, you know, broader use base, legal tender. I don't see how it doesn't. I, I, I just don't see uh, the entire world is moving in the digital direction. And, you know, there are very few things that are more efficient uh, digitally than currency. So I, I don't see how it doesn't go there. And that's why I viewed this, this latest round of, uh, you know, crushingly bad press in the FTX. To me, it almost feels like, all right, for everybody who wasn't paying attention before, is your last chance. <laughs> you no, know? no, no, I'm there with you. I agree, yeah. exactly. Like, you know, for those folks that were watching Bitcoin at 50, 60,000 going, I can't believe I didn't get in at 10. I can't believe I didn't get in 20,000 Bitcoin. I didn't get in at 25,000. You have an opportunity to get in now. And I, I'm not talking, like, there's a lot of altcoins that are going to go away. And th- there'll be others that we haven't even heard of that will take off. But I think uh, in Ethereum, I'm dollar cost average, averaging into Ethereum as well because I like the utilities and the NFTs. Um, I know for your degenerates like myself, also buying NFTs on the cheap right now. Uh, <laughs> stuff that was so oh, yeah, the, the, the NFTs, the NFTs and 
I, I know you go into some of those uh, into some of those more backwater altcoins and yes. trading. Uh, the degenerate I, I am. From, for, yeah, from a portfolio, uh, from a portfolio management point of view, uh, I am in love with Bitcoin. I am in love with Ethereum, and the NFTs are just begging to be snapped up right now. And and this just goes for almost all markets when. Everybody starts turning away from something, as long as you see value there. I mean, I'm not talking about buying companies that are going out of business. I mean, you, you know, there are falling knives and you can't catch them and, and things do go to zero. But when you have like a big asset class like this and you have best in space, the opportunities when things are much lower, that's when you buy it, when everybody else um, loses interest. Just like you sell this stuff when everybody and their brother wants to get in. Well, you've been holding it the whole time, and that's when you cash out. And and, and, and I think we're now in the phase with crypto, NFTs, and some of the particular growth names like Meta, where, you know, there are opportunities. This stuff's not going to go to zero, and a lot of the folks that were super interested, they, they, they have, they're not even looking this way anymore. But believe me, They'll be looking at all this stuff after it's doubled or tripled, wondering, you know, wanting to get in at the very top. Yeah. It, well, how many times have we said it? When the market needs a buyer, be the buyer. You can I, never that, go wrong with that. I'm there with you. I am there with you 100%. That's why I'm a contrarian, too, because when everybody's given up and the market needs a buyer, be that buyer, because... When you're that buyer, you're usually getting in pretty close to the bottom. And then when everybody just has to buy and nobody wants to sell, that's where you're unloading the position that you got in way lower than everybody else. And and that's kind of how we've played this thing the last couple of years. And I know you have yeah. too, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I And I, I firmly believe that that's, that's how it, number one rule of management. When the market needs a buyer, be a buyer. Uh, you'll be rewarded when everybody else wants to buy from you. You and I have been in this game for a long time. And over the years and wave after wave, the best time is when you almost on a lot of this stuff, the best time to buy is when you got to hold your nose and everybody is just piling on stuff and that it has no hope, that's the best time to buy. And then, you know, when we're towards the top, it's just the opposite. Um, you know, when you feel like everybody, 100%, is bullish on something, that's when I'm scared as all can be, and I'm trying to unload everything as I possibly can before things get cracked. When everything is way, way, way up there on the top, and, and again, it's a function of having, like you said, been in the game for a long time, but you start to get that spidey sense, right, that that we're getting very near an inflection point here. Uh, and, and that's when you that's when you pivot and switch to the profit as opinion only cash as fact manner of portfolio management. And, you know, the, the thing is, when we were opening this conversation, I think a lot of people, you know, we've gone through a year of rough markets. We've seen a ton of volatility. Sometimes that spidey sense can come a little early. And we were kind of talking about this at the beginning of the conversation. I think a lot of people are like, well, all right, are we through this already? I'm ready to, 
you know, back up the truck, get some things and start making some money. And sometimes it can be dangerous, especially down here, because it really does feel kind of like, you know, we've seen a lot of things wash out and it's been, you know, a lot of people have been bearish and and it kind of feels like we're close to the a, a bottom. But, you know, I, I don't know if we're and we've we've kind of both alluded to this. I don't know if we're quite there yet now, though, especially for the stock market. No, I again, the uh, a big, big, big number for me is the uh, uh, the the S and P at uh, at uh, four thousand. The spiders at four hundred. The S and P ETF uh, at which translates to an which translates to an S and P at four thousand. At four thousand, right? Uh, we are tickling. As a matter of fact, I think we spent a little time above that during the trading day today. And to me, there is there's simply nothing to back it up other than that sense out there of bear market fatigue. But, you know, wanting it to turn around is not going to be enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and that's and, and that's kind of what I think we're why we're starting to feel the spidey sense there is uh, I think and that that's a great term to use. I think a lot of people are feeling a little bear market fatigue. You know, is this done already? But by no means it's just that gut feeling a good reason to to move. I think, you know, pick your spots and and continue to, you know, use the tools that have got us here. But uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I like yeah, that term. Keep, bear market keep, fatigue. Keep, keep some dry powder. Uh, keep some dry powder on hand and get with your advisor, allocate your resources. Or if you're doing this on your own, of course, uh, you know, then, then you're doing it on your own. Uh, but again, be in touch with your portfolio, be aware of where your portfolio is positioned and look for, you know, the guardrails are pretty narrow at a time like this, but there are industries that benefit from this volatility. Allocate your resources in a much more, uh, you know, pinpoint, a much more focused uh, kind of investing and try to just stay within those guardrails and don't give in to don't give into the, you know, FOMO is not good and bear market fatigue is not good when it comes to a sustainable, predictable investment strategy. All right. Big thanks to Matt Matigan, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers here in Chicago. And check out Matt's blog, blueworldam.com. And be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.